0: Welcome back to another wonderful episode of Success Innovation. Today, I'm so happy to bring to you another wonderful individual to interview. The episode is called Navigating Between Academia and Industry. It is with Sky Edwards that we have this wonderful discussion. She's the current SHIP President at UCSD Student Chapter from year 2019 to 2020 school year. We dive deep into how she managed to go ahead and discover bioengineering, what she's encountered and how SHIP has definitely helped her guide her career and how she managed to discover her true passion. I want you to welcome Skye, Skye Edwards to Success Innovation for this wonderful conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get started, thank you. Welcome back to another wonderful Success Innovation episode. Today, I'm really happy and excited to bring to you another wonderful individual, fantastic young lady. Her name is Sky Edwards. Sky Edwards is a bioengineering student at University of California, San Diego, otherwise known as UCSD. As you know, it is my alma mater, so I'm really happy about bringing this episode to you. And she is currently the president of UCSD's SHIP, student chapter. And as you know SHIP stands for Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers and it is a nationwide organization. Welcome, welcome Sky Edwards to Success Innovation. Thank you so much for being with me today. How are of course, you? thank
1: you. Pretty good, pretty good. Fantastic. You know, surviving this
0: school so year. We, yeah, we Yeah exactly, surviving. <laughs> we were just talking uh, right before we started recording we were talking about you know you coming back home. Uh, today is Uh, a sunny day in San Diego and you are in San Diego but a couple a couple days ago you were you were back home in the Central Valley of California. Can you kind of walk us through your early beginnings where home is for you and kind of start off from there?
1: Yeah so I was born and raised in the Central Valley so I was born in Fresno but was raised in Southern California my entire life Um, and so it's a very rural area agriculture it's a lot of vineyards a lot of orchards um, I actually got had the privilege to have uh, great grandparents around growing up, and so they actually owned a ranch uh, for raisins, actually, so grapes that you put out in the sun to grow for raisins. And so a lot of my life was kind of centered around, you know, really being close to my family. So I was never alone. I'm an only child, and my mom only it's only me, my mom, and my grandparents. And so it was very much big on family because I think I'm the only one who moved out for this longer period of time. So if I wanted to go to my Nina and my Ninos, they're down the street. I wanna go to my grandma's sister's house. She's also down the street. Um, Everyone's within maybe a 30 minute drive from each other. So growing up, it was very much like big family holidays all the time, all like 30 of us going to the ranch. You know, I had uh, got to learn where my family came from. So I worked on the ranch actually for most of my life from the age of 12 up until almost like until I graduated every summer. Um, I learned how to prune, how to center, how to roll the trays, how to drive the tractor, how to put wow. the trays onto the tractor and empty the raisins out. Um, I got paid <laughs> because oh. they're like, you're doing work so you get to get paid. Um, but they really kind of taught me you know, where my great grandpa came from because uh, he was born here in California still, but he grew up his entire life working with sun-made raisins and so it was really good to see like, you know, what he did and what he learned to save up to own his land. Like that ranch is our family's ranch. And oh. so I really appreciated it and I loved it. I loved being outside. You know, it was interesting coming out of the ranch and having dirt all up in your nose. But, you know, it, it really made me appreciate a lot of what my family has done for me, um, especially because otherwise I didn't need didn't a job in high school. Um, I was very active. I got to play sports. I got to be in band and choir and theater. And all these things during the school year because, you know, my family was able to provide for me. And during the summer, I was like, you know what? I'm willing to do this because this is what y'all did for me before I was even born. And, you know, this is why we have everything. So, yeah, super active in Selma, California. Super small town.
0: (laughs) What time did you normally have to get up to be able to work in the farm?
1: Oh, that was so to be in as much cool shade as possible. We all got up around 3.30 a.m. Because we would work until about, I would say around 3 p.m., we'd take a break to eat or like just like actually go inside and sit down. Like we had water and everything, and you know, my mom made me breakfast. But we would go about 3 30 a.m., get to the ranch around 4 a.m., try to get as much work as possible done before it got too sunny because you get paid by the rope. Um, and sometimes if it's raising season, you get paid by the tray. And so different roads have different trays. And then we take maybe like a two hour break because it would be most of our family out there too. So my grandpa definitely had other workers, but he also had his family out there as well. Um, and then we would be done around 6 p.m. because we worked for another like two and a half hours, three hours. Because then by then my mom at least took me out and she's like, okay, this guy's gonna go home and shower and mm-hmm. take a break because <laughs> uh-huh, I was still pretty but, young. But yeah, uh, so we got up really early just because we wanted to get as much work done before the sun hit, because it gets so, really hot in Fresno.
0: <laughs> right, for sure. It it can go over a hundred degrees during the summertime, oh, yeah. or you know during springtime, it can get up to ninety something. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you, you know, was this mainly your job during the summertime as a mm-hmm. as a young kid growing up, or was this even even when you were in school, did you have to get up early in the morning, go put in a couple hours, and then go to school?
1: So it was mainly summer, and then into fall. Um, because summer is the main time where you put the raisins out and you hope there's no rain and that's when the uh, grapes dry into raisins the most and so that's when you need the most help and then going into fall is when you're starting to center and prune the vines, the vineyards to tie them up to let them grow again by the time summer comes around Um, so since I was pretty young for the most part they didn't want me tying because if you tie the vine and it slips it comes and waxy in the face and I was Mm -hmm. super short, still super short so I would stop probably maybe the first month of school. Um, I would mainly go on the weekends at that point. I wouldn't really go during the school week because my family was like, you need to get good grades. But sometimes I'd just go out and just go visit and go help clean more around the house than go out into the ranch. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, my family Mm -hmm. really wanted me to focus on school. So the For
0: sure, for sure. No, and uh, not to the track, but kind of to tie in and add a little bit, this reminds me of a movie called McFarland, not necessarily, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know it's, it's a, it's a yeah. movie with, uh, with, uh, students, uh, that are farmers essentially, mm-hmm. and they get up in the morning and they go do some work at the mm-hmm. farm at the ranch, and then they have to go to school. So that's, yeah. that's why I kind of brought it up. Maybe, maybe yeah. you had a similar thing. And for those that are watching, if if I recommend McFarland to watch it, it's, yeah. it's a really interesting and it's based on true events. So mm-hmm. you might really want to watch it. Um, so, Off of that, you mentioned, and I mentioned that you're a bioengineer. I know that you're a bioengineer. And you are, you know, how being in in Central California, how Mm -hmm. did you decide to go ahead and at what age were you exposed to STEM? I mean, obviously, you're at the ranch and you're doing this. So maybe it would have been a lot easier to simply just stay at the ranch and keep Mm -hmm. going with the family tradition. But Mm -hmm. how did you get exposed and at what age did this happen?
1: So... I mean, in school, we always had science. But I think where I wanted to become a part of STEM was my, I think I've always wanted to be a doctor. My family has always had some type of orthopedic issue. (laughs) So whether it's, you know, hip replacement, someone tore their ACL, a rotator cuff, something. Someone was always getting hurt, and I was always, like, there to see them get better. Um, My uncle... Crashed his motorcycle and had road burns all over his body, and so we helped take care of him. So it was very much just like me, like knowing that doctors help people, and so I don't think it was a direct like that's what STEM is, uh, but it was definitely much, very much like leading me towards a path of medicine, right? And so that's kind of where a lot of I think uh, Central Valley students go is to the doctors to become a doctor. That's what we're pushed to be, and so when I went saying we got introduced to STEM specifically STEM, it wouldn't be aside from just math classes, which I really liked a lot. And I wanted to skip classes in middle school, but our middle school didn't have anything past algebra one. Mm. And I actually tested out of it and got into geometry, but we didn't have an option to take it. So I had to stay back a year in math. Um, I didn't really get exposed to it, I think, until I took trig and pre-calc, which is my junior year of high school.
2: Mm, Um, The
1: sense of understanding like Not just necessarily what science is, but understanding what engineering is, anything. Just because my math teacher was like, you know, you spend time after class teaching students about trig and pre-calc because you like to do that. You like to come in early and tell people, hey, like, we're gonna do a review session for this quiz. Like, I'm gonna be teaching it. Um, And that's when he, you know, was like, have you heard about engineering before? I was like, I don't know what that is. I wanna be a doctor. I was in Doctor's Academy where we learned about tox- uh, toxicology, about different anatomy parts. Um, we got to shadow a doctor. And so it was very much just medicine, 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 which I still think is a part of STEM, but I don't think it truly is what STEM is um, because it uses it, but it's never like, oh, this is like the math behind it. This is, you know, obviously it's the science behind it. We don't teach about the technology, they don't teach about the engineering. Um, not until my math teacher was like, you know what? Like you should look up what engineering is. And I was like, okay. So I literally Googled, that I liked biology, that I liked chemistry, that I liked math, and at the time I liked physics. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, High school physics, just normal physics. Uh And I did a couple of researching here and there and literally the major of bioengineering popped up. And so, me being, still wanting to do pre-med, I was like, you know what, bioengineering sets you apart from a lot of people who just do basic biology. because You know, there's this engineering aspect. And I still don't know what engineering was. I was just like, it sounds cool, And it involves a lot of math and math was my favorite thing. I loved it so much. I took AP calculus BC. I didn't take AB. I took BC right away because it was offered for the first time. Mm I remember being in that class my senior year being super excited. I was like, wow, I really like calc like a lot. Like this makes sense. And so I applied everywhere as a bioengineer, that I applied to school. I did not apply to anything different anywhere else. It was just much uh, luck of the draw, I would say.
0: So that was your your top priority is be a bioengineer and you applied everywhere within California or everywhere, Stanford, uh, the Ivy Leagues, Harvard, or you applied to all of those?
1: I (laughs) applied to MIT with big hopes, Uh but, um, and that's the only, and Rice University, those are the only two out-of-state colleges, Uh um, because though my family was willing to let me go to college, they wanted me to stay in California. Okay. And so- um, yeah, I actually have a not a funny story about Fresno State because it's a good school. Uh, but I actually got a full right acceptance to Fresno State where they paid for my entire tuition, all of my books, all of my housing. Okay. But I said no.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> there any particular reason you might share with they, us why you said no? Yeah,
1: they did not have bioengineering. They, okay. I would have to have made that major. It was not accredited. Um, so I applied to that as a mechanical engineer there, okay. but. I didn't want to do mechanical engineering. It was definitely not something I wanted to do. And I think growing up, though I had a good family life, I've struggled and fought for a lot of things. And you know, kind of my life was difficult in certain aspects. That in college, at least, I was like, I don't want it to be more difficult than I need it to be. I really want to enjoy a structure (laughs) given to me to get my degree. And so, you know, I turned down Fresno State. Also, I knew that I could call my grandma, and she would come bring me food if I needed it, or uh-huh. if I needed laundry done, she would do it, because they're right there, and so, you know, I decided Fresno State was definitely not a place I wanted to go. Cause because you essentially
0: become complacent to a certain yeah, degree, and, and yeah. not so independent.
1: So, yeah, and awesome. you know, yeah, I know they were going to miss me, but I knew it was good for all of us. Okay, it was okay. definitely, I was their central, life. Like, what is Sky doing? <laughs> oh,
0: I see. Okay, so when, okay, so you get acceptance letters from other yeah. colleges. So why yeah. did you choose UCSD over in beautiful San Diego, California, right by the yeah. beach?
1: So I actually got accepted to Cal Poly Slow as bioengineering, mm-hmm. which is a pretty good school to get into, yeah. and also as well as Cal Poly Pomona, UC Irvine, uh, UC Santa Cruz. Um, where else did I apply? I applied to four. But yeah, I basically, it was between Cal between Poly Slow and UCSD for me, but I really didn't know about UCSD and what the school was. Okay. <laughs> um, no one in my high school, I think, has come here in really long time, so no one ever talked about it. Okay. My counselor just told me the last minute, maybe, she's like, you have an extra fee waiver, you should apply to UCSD. And I was like, okay. She's like, well, there's a six college system, so you should research about that. And I was just like, okay, sure. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I think again, I got lucky that I just applied, you know, I didn't do much research on what the top bioengineering schools were in the world. I just knew mm-hmm. I wanted to do it and then go to med school. So to right. me, I was like, wherever I go, it's going to be great. Right. Um, but then uh, Jacob's school of engineering has this thing called the overnight program, engineering overnight program. Okay. Um, I don't know how long ago it started, but they were willing to pay for my flight from Fresno to San Diego to bring me to campus for two nights and three days to show me the engineering life here on campus. Okay. And so it was the same weekend as Slow's SWE Society of Women Engineers overnight program. Mm -hmm. But my family and I have visited Slow so often, because it's only maybe two and a half hours away from Selma that I when I saw the UCSD one, I was like, mom, I want to go. I've never been to UCSD. I never like we've been to San Diego for wrestling tournaments and softball tournaments, but not for school. And so I was like, hey, mom, like, this is so cool. She's like, are you sure this is a real thing? I said, I'm pretty sure it's a real thing. Like, this is like the UCSD email. And so she's like, well, you're not flying. I'm driving you down. And I was like, okay. "Okay." She's like, I will stay in a hotel (laughs) for the three days that you're there. And then we'll drive back up. And so when I went, I remember just seeing the Raza centers where we got dropped off. Mm -hmm. Being super excited. And like, okay, bye, mom. And then like, just left the car. (laughs) Like, took my luggage and just left. And my mom's like, oh, bye. I'll see you. I'm like, you're going to be in San Diego. It's fine. And so the entire three days, I did not text my mom as much as I should have, but she realized that because I wasn't texting her, that I was actually really enjoying being here at UCSD. I really enjoyed the Idea Center. I got to meet Jenny and Michelle at the time. They were super nice. My host was super sweet. She was also from the Central Valley. She was also a bioengineer. And just doing the activities and seeing how much they really cared about their engineers here at UCSD, I think was what I was looking for. Especially also because I saw diversity here. Um, not to say anything bad about other schools, but I definitely, right. when I walk into the room and I'm one of the darkest ones, it makes me a little concerned <laughs> right. that there's not other people who have the same story as me, who, you know, grew up in the same culture as me. I, I don't need to be in it all the time, but, you know, me moving four and a half hours away or moving even two hours away, I think it was important for me to still be around people that I could share things with and they could appreciate it. Um, sure. And also learn th- new things from people, too, because there's so many different people here at UCSD that, right. you know, I've, I've gotten to know and understand their life and understand their culture. And so the day my mom picked me up, the entire, I think it was an eight-hour drive because of traffic, I was just talking about UCSD, just talking about it and being super excited and be like, yeah, there's all these cool things, the bioengineering department is super awesome. I learned they only accept, at the time, maybe 50 people per uh, subdivision of bioengineers and so I was like I got into that and then I was learning about how the how prestigious the bioengineering department here was what research was I was like I didn't think I could do research and just like all these things were just like exploding in my head the way they talked about engineering I finally learned what it was okay. <laughs> about just improving the quality of life of anything whether it be through phones whether it be through traffic whether it be through people whether it just be simply through like how is like a grocery store laid out or how's a manufacturing floor laid out. Mm-hmm. And so I remember telling her that night because I was going to my godson's uh, second birthday party. Okay. <laughs> so we're driving back home. Um, I remember telling her, like, I want to go here. She's like, I thought you wanted to go to Slows, I was like, no, I want to go to UCSD. Like, uh-huh. I bought, I had never in my life bought a college shirt because uh-huh. I thought it was very, like, you're not going to go. Unless you have a sibling there, I was like, you're not going to go there. Like, unless right. you go there, like, why mm-hmm. are you wearing a shirt from here? Right. Like, for sure, go right? There? like mm-hmm. it, it was kind of weird for me. And right. so that day before we left, I bought a UCSD t-shirt.
2: Oh, and I wow. told my
1: mom like I'm I'm coming here she's uh-huh. like you sure I was like yes more like as soon as Micah's birthday party is over I want to SIR oh, like, wow. I,
2: like
1: I want to do it like I'm this is where I'm gonna go
0: okay what, so, what what is what is SIR
1: oh yeah uh SIR is submit intent to register
0: okay so submit intent to register okay.
1: yeah so it's basically accepting your offer to okay. a school okay. um you still have to go through multiple processes and you mm-hmm. can submit intent to register and withdraw it but it doesn't look great <laughs> Okay. so you can that's basically telling the school like this is I want my spot okay. like this is a spot that I want to go to school
0: so off of the six uh, college choices that you had now that you went to this info session for three days and mm-hmm. you were really rattled up and hyped up
1: mm-hmm. what
0: college did you end up being placed in
1: yeah so <laughs> when I ranked them I definitely didn't read them as much as I should have um, I did not look into the general education requirements because I thought every college. you know, I thought every school is just like, they have a solid GE.
0: They're not all different. No. I mean, they're not all the same. same. They're all yeah, different. No. Yeah. So, they're very so, different know, Roosevelt, uh, yeah. Rebel. Mm-hmm. Warren, you have mm-hmm. Marshall. You mm-hmm. also have, um, uh,
1: uh, 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 uh
0: Muir. Muir, right? Muir. Uh-huh. And they then have you six. have the sixth college, which and I don't think it's named, seven. right? Is it named, the sixth? No. no.
1: Okay. <laughs> we still, okay. So we have sixth and then seventh as well. Okay, all right.
2: Um,
1: so I believe, I'm pretty sure I put Ravel first because I saw the well-rounded student. Oh, and in okay. high school, I was very much like, you know what, I'm a well-rounded student. You know, I enjoy history sometimes and things like that. <laughs> right. um, so I'm in a Revel. <laughs>
2: yeah, right.
0: So for the students that are possibly watching this, be careful because what you assume a high education in your high school is, is totally different than what a high education is at a university level. Mm-hmm. So you have to be really careful. You might be the top of the crop, the 10%, the 1% at your high school, but it depends on where you're at at the nation. If you move to a college, the 1% at that, that college blows you out of the water. So. You have to be really careful. You have to definitely read those descriptions and you have mm-hmm. to make a conscientious decision of which college selection you want to be placed in. Uh, so so you, you got admitted into yes. Um What happened when you actually started your first quarter there and you started seeing the college requirements aside mm-hmm. from the engineering requirements and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> it's different.
1: Yes, Uh, I didn't realize that I had to take five writing classes (laughs) with Revel. I'm actually not done yet, so I'm taking the fifth year uh, to some multiple reasons, uh, but I still have one more class to go for humanities. Um, Most of the life sciences and everything applied to me because I'm bioengineering, so I take chemistry anyways, I take physics as well, I take biology regardless, so those ones weren't too bad. Um, considering that I didn't have the privilege of knowing another language growing up, I also have the language requirement which you have to be proficient, meaning that you have to pass the fourth class of any language, so that's usually 1D or one, in 1DX, um, as well as a social studies requirement that I thought was going to translate over and it didn't, and your DEI, which is your diversity, equity, and inclusion, which might be newer for most people to hear if they went to school at UCSB before 2010
0: yeah that Um, is different
1: yeah and so the humanities was the big one because starting your winter quarter of your freshman year you take hume one which is six units six units and so unit wise if a class is six units that means you're going to be spending easily over 12 hours uh Mm -hmm. studying for that class it's usually two hours per unit Mm -hmm. and so uh it was hard. (laughs) I pushed a lot of classes around. Again, I took uh, AP Calc BC and I got a five on the AP test, so I didn't have to take 20A and 20B. Um, Math 20A and Math 20B. Mm -hmm. And so if I would have had to take Math 20A and 20B, Math 20B from multiple students, if not almost every single student that I've heard that's taken it, has been the hardest math class they've taken at all at UCSD, even harder than Vector Calc 3. because of the Taylor series and just the way it's taught it's just all across and any professor that you take and it's just the hardest class you take. Right. um so I got lucky with that um but my fall quarter I took physics 2a for the first time and that was the first time that I've ever seen like engineering physics mm-hmm. uh calculus physics in high school we just had a regular physics class the one thing I remember from that class is learning about colors <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and how colors work based off of light or off paint mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that was a big shock because a lot of people were like oh this is so easy like I didn't get a 5 on the AP exam for this for physics but like it's the same thing and I'm sitting there like what do you mean like I don't I've never seen this before I don't know what this is right um I was having a really hard time in physics 2a and that's when I kind of realized that uh, mechanics doesn't really click in my head that mm. easy. Okay. Um, so with bioengineering, you don't have to always do mechanics. Mm-hmm. So a, I'm grateful for that. But I remember 2A just being really hard to struggle. And, you know, we were all actually doing fairly well in that class. I think a lot of us had a B plus, okay. but we had a specific professor that quarter whose policy was every, all of his classes are a perfect bell curve Mm. at the end of the quarter. Right. So that means even if all of you got an A,
0: there's going to be a group of you that will not pass the course. There's there's a group of you that will get a C and there's a group that will definitely get a B and an A. So, okay, yes. understood. He wants to spread it around, yeah. make sure that he's got a ray of, of okay, all right, that's interesting.
2: Yeah. So, so
0: you mentioned so that, that all of us, you mentioned that all of us essentially, uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. all of mm-hmm. us had essentially A, B for the most part. Yes. When you say all of us, you already had a group that you study with that did you come in and you already form a group of friends because of that experience, yeah. the, the 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 couple days before? Or a couple months before when you actually went in, how did you meet these individuals? How did you start yeah. getting those friendships going?
1: Yeah, so uh, UCSD actually has a critical cool program which is targeted towards uh underrepresented minorities or URMs and low-income mm-hmm. students, mm-hmm. which is called the Summer Engineering Institute. Mm-hmm. And I was part of the first cohort, they invited me after the engineering governance program. Um, I was a part of the first cohort that I got to stay for five weeks. So I actually got to take uh, two summer classes, uh, a MATLAB class and a project design class. Yeah. And so I actually got to meet 63 other individuals who were engineering as well yeah. uh, before the school year, school year even started. So it was August 1st. Mm-hmm. Yes. August 1st, all the way up until the second or the first week of September to right. break and then school. Right. And so um, they always offer every year. So they post it yeah. online everywhere. Anyone's available to
0: apply to it. I, I think uh, Olivia Grave is the one that actually. Yes, she's uh, the
1: director of Idea me. Center.
0: Exactly. Yeah. She's the director of the Idea Center. Uh, when, I, when I went to UCSZ right before, mm-hmm. they still have Summer Bridge. It's similar mm-hmm. to what you mentioned. But yes. at, at my, during my time, as, uh, mm-hmm. back in 1995, when I was going in, they mm-hmm. only offered Summer Bridge, and you mm-hmm. know when Olivia actually graduated and came back, and now she's a mm-hmm. professor there. She's the one that came up with the idea because she also saw that Summer Bridge was going on. So she said, "Why don't we do something for the engineering mm-hmm. students that are coming in?" And that's how that program was born and mimicked Summer Bridge yeah. essentially. So it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. And you're also, you know, I mentioned that you're you're the ship president right now. Mm-hmm. How did you get involved with SHIP when you started? You obviously, at your high school level, didn't know what SHIP was. You had no idea Mm -hmm. what engineering meant. So how Mm -hmm. did you get started?
1: Yeah, so um, I think a lot of SHIP members at UCSD are very involved in freshman recruitment. So one of my peer facilitators, which is similar to an RA for the summer program, actually two of them, they were on the SHIP board the year prior. And we're going to be on the SHIP board coming into my uh, freshman year. And so they mentioned it to all of us, kind of. They didn't say, like, you better come or anything like that, but they definitely mentioned what the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers were. Mm-hmm. And that's actually where I met Gabriel Gutierrez. Mm-hmm. Um, him and I met there, we became friends along with some other friends uh, that were all from San Diego, from no one from the Central Valley, mainly from LA, and things like that. So, our Fall quarter, the first GBM, all of us were like, "Hey, you know what? Let's just go check it out." They said there's free food. <laughs> I mm-hmm. think it was pizza. It was in Atkinson Hall, which is a very, very pretty hall. Right. Um, and we're like, "You know, what? like, sure. It's a Thursday night, 6:30. I don't have class right now, and I don't have a quiz this week, so it's fine. Because <laughs> uh, physics usually have quizzes every Friday. And so we kind of went, and you know, I just kind of sat there. I saw some of my old peer facilitators. was like hey how's it going like this and that and like you know sitting with the GVM. um I think they had a sponsor I don't remember who it was but it definitely wasn't a bioengineering company Mm -hmm. so it was kind of zoning out a little bit Mm -hmm. but then Eddie Tapia I think Mm -hmm. he was there I think he was maybe an outreach chair at the time
0: oh so he was part of the board already okay yeah
1: he was part of the board
0: and and just to for the audience you know she's mentioning names and this individual's uh are very active and have been very active throughout UCSD uh, student chapter, yeah. uh, and I've known all of them. So, so to to a certain extent, I know what she's talking about. But for the audience, just just bear with us. She's throwing yeah. names out for, <laughs> for us, so, yeah. so keep on going.
1: Yeah, and so uh, Eddie Tapia, uh, he actually asked, can all the freshmen come to the front after the end of the GBM? Cool. And so we're like, okay, we'll go up there. Hi, like introduce yourself, a little icebreaker here and there. And then he's like, can I get all your guys names and like phone numbers and emails? Uh, I'm just going to add you guys to kind of like a little freshman group. I'm like, OK, sure, why not? Um, and so we added there. And so they're like, OK, we'll remind you when the next GBM is and we'll come back. And so I like the icebreakers because they're super corny. as a freshman, you kind of actually like the corny icebreakers because you're shy. And, like if everyone's feeling like, kind of silly, you can be a little silly too. And so I think after the second GBM, they actually invited us out to Pazookies. So uh, BJ's is a restaurant. Um, and it's actually maybe a 15 minute walk from campus. It's down the hill and up the hill. And so, like, hey, we're all gonna go to DJ's. We're gonna walk over there. We're gonna have giant, like, giant pizza bazookies and we're just gonna talk and hang out. And so that's where I actually got to meet, and I'm gonna throw some names out there too um, mm-hmm. people like Yosira um, Hernandez, Karina Nino, Emily Reveles. Uh, Eddie Tapia, Andrea Hanao, I got to meet Jose Ramirez, I got to meet Carlos Sandoval, Carlos Anaya, and these are all people that were the shipboard my freshman year who are very close friends to me. Um, got to meet all of them there, just kind of start talking about like what they did, how they're enjoying school, they're talking about classes like yeah that class was a joke or that class was hard, don't take this professor, and I just realized like this was such a good group of friends to just be around and you know hearing them talk and seeing a lot of them be fourth years getting ready to graduate, talking about what jobs they're going to work for, like what internships they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, Carlos Anaya was another bioengineer, Emily Emily Moreno was a bioengineer, so I instantly clicked with them mm-hmm. and they're talking about their research and I just, you know, at that point I was just like, these are people that I think I can, they can help me be successful here at UCSD because I didn't know anybody at UCSD other than my friends from SCI but I wanted to know older people and I've I've always been used to talking to older people. And so Mm -hmm. they're not that much older than me, maybe here too. But but to me, I looked up to them so much because they were doing such great things and giving Mm -hmm. up some of their time to go do good things like going to Logan, uh, Logan elementary, going to Mm -hmm. TJ outreach, doing high school, uh, empower. Um, I think right then and there, I got recruited to, uh, work for, or help work in the reach committee, which is our hackathon. Mm-hmm. which was the second year it was being ran, which is okay. when I joined. Right. And I actually, that's where I got super involved in SHIP. I'm actually wearing the shirt right now. Right,
0: the yeah, shirt. right. I see that. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um,
1: and yeah, that's where I started digging my hands into what SHIP does. It okay. started with Reach. And, okay.
0: Yeah. So you start. You, you, know, you started getting really involved. What mm-hmm. was your biggest surprise uh, between uh, you you, know, you mentioned the rasa center so that's you know that was one of the things and i'm pretty sure that you know what mecha is yes why did did you even try joining mecha versus ship mm-hmm. or was that something how do you con- compare and contrast them they're they're yeah. both student organizations it's just yeah. that one they're, they're both kind of different and mm-hmm. um, just want to get your perspective as to why you yeah. decided to pursue ship
1: so I didn't actually hear a lot about Matcha until I joined a lab and some other uh, non-engineers were in it. Okay. But I think SHIP's willingness to just recruit and go out there and be out there, um, I think, which, which is what really drew, drew me in. Also, I will say because it's strictly engineering, I think it's mm. nice um, just because I feel like there's so much to navigate. There's so much to navigate in college in general. Like mm-hmm. overall, any major that you're gonna choose, there's so many things to navigate. Right. But and engineering was so new to me that I felt like I needed specifically a club that's gonna help me navigate engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I already at the time was still like, okay, I know what it is, but I don't know what it is, and I feel like even mm-hmm. after your four years, you're like, sometimes I know what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and right. so I, you know, was really much, very much just like, you know, I'm staying here and I'm gonna be doing this, and it's just nice to be around other people who take the same 20 series as you. take the same two series as you um and so i think class-wise it's helpful too. you
0: have some commonality with other folks and individuals mm-hmm. and you have that you know you start clicking and you you start making that network and, and you build it and and it mm-hmm. works for you so that's awesome that's fantastic yeah. now you mentioned that you you know it's a UCSD is known for research being a research school etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. it how did you find a research uh, professor to do research in was it through SHIP? Was it through the Idea Center? Mm-hmm. Right now you're doing uh, you know, a little research thing with Mac Kittrick Lab. I yes. don't know if, if you can talk a little bit about how you got in and what yeah. that means.
1: OK, so my first research position was actually I was a paid lab hand. And I worked okay. in a microbiology lab. Okay. Um, so it wasn't really engineering. And that was on, at the time it's called Port Trade, but now it's called Handshake. Um, look for lab research assistants all the time. I I really needed a job at the time, and so I wanted to do research, but I needed it to be paid, and so I, you know, just pushed my resume out there, and I found a lab manager who was super excited to take in this new, because she was also, uh, she was a first-gen student. I'm not first-gen, but she was a first-gen student at the time. She's a woman in her field. She had multiple patents, and so she saw this fresh, new, young woman who had almost no skills whatsoever when it comes to applying to lab. And she's like, I can mold her into what I want. Mm. And so you actually find a lot of professors that way. Um, I just needed a position that was paid, and they were paying. And so it was in cancer research. So I was like, that's still applicable to to bioengineering. And so I went into that lab, and I stayed for about nine months until I realized I didn't want to do cancer research it was very interesting and I had my actually another friend come and fill my position because she was super passionate about cancer research and so it just wasn't for me um but I'm glad I got someone else an opportunity to work there because they're doing great things um but the McKittrick lab actually I got in through ship because one of my current board members now who was also a board member at the time he his lab was actually looking for people so if you have current board members or current members in SHIP that are looking for new uh, undergrad assistants, um, usually the grad student be like, hey, can you make a slide and present this at the SHIP GBM? Um, we're looking for new undergrads to take on this project. Mm. And so uh, his name's Luis Garcia. He's one of my board members now. He's my lab partner as well. Um, he was like, hey, Sky, like, can you help me format this PowerPoint? Like my lab's looking for a position. And so I was, like, okay, or, like, a new person to ha- fill this position. It's for, like, Arduino electrical electrical engineering work and, like, you know, prototype uh, device prototyping. And I was, like, okay, cool. Like, I'll help you look at it. And, I'm like, was helping you make it up so we can put on our GBM slides? And I was looking at it. I was, just like, this seems like what I want to do um I'm focused with electrical engineering now with my bioengineering degree right. and so I fell in love with Arduino so quickly and learning how to collect data using different types of uh, transducers which essentially just make one signal mm-hmm. into an electrical signal mm-hmm. and so I was like yeah like definitely we can we can talk about this because I was running the GBM for that week um but I was also on the side I was like can I apply like are you opposed to me applying uh-huh. I know we spend a lot of time together but like I really like this idea he's uh-huh. like no yeah I'm gonna let I'm going to let our grad student make the decision. And so we presented it. He talked about it. Um, A handful of us applied to it. And I got an interview with the grad student. Uh And so when I got the interview with the grad student, it was funny. Luis was also there. Um, And so we were talking about my grad student. He's from MIT with a material science uh, bachelor's. And so he's doing his PhD in material science here at UCSW. And so he knew nothing about electrical engineering. He's like, I don't even know how to make a LED blink on Arduino. I don't really know how to collect or make a uh making testing devices, testing yeah. methods, uh when it comes to like collecting data. So like they have all these cool fancy machines, but they don't have anything to collect the acceleration of a of a material. They don't have yeah. anything to do automation and do these other testing. Okay. And so I was like, Yeah, I can do that. Like I like creating a new ways to collect information to validate and do proof of concepts. Mm-hmm. And so we had maybe like a 40 minute interview. And he's like, well, I'd like to give you the position now. And I was just like, okay. uh. <laughs> okay.
2: Okay.
1: Um, but I had also applied how, to how another did, position. How,
0: how did that interview actually take place? Because from mm-hmm. my experience, you know, interviews are kind of formal. You have to go okay. in and dress nice. So can you kind of walk me through what a lab interview with a grad student went one went, went like?
1: Yeah. So it's actually, it varies from lab to lab. Okay. So I applied to two positions at the time. So that was McKittrick's lab, and then the other one was the different grad student who was own project. So I went dressed business casual, which means essentially I just didn't wear a blazer, but I still wore slacks, I still wore a blouse. You know, had my hair nice and like nice and tidy, um, and you know, lab safety shoes though. So I didn't wear heels. I wore boots because you're I was going into the lab, um, and so. With that, but then when my grad student, my current grad student, came out, he's super nonchalant, very uh, casual. Mm-hmm. So he was wearing, I think, some jeans, some boots, mm-hmm. a t-shirt, and he had a baseball cap on. Okay. And so <laughs> I was very much like, "Oh, <laughs> I'm a little overdressed." And he's like, "No, no, no, it's okay. Like that's like you're doing great. Like that's how you should go to an interview. Like right. I'm sorry, yeah. I just came from like a workout and things like that." So I was like, "Okay, like this grad student seems pretty relaxed, which I, I like." Um, because working in a lab, sometimes you don't want to be working in slacks and a blouse. Uh, you'd rather be working in jeans and boots and a t-shirt, especially moving around and grabbing things, like reaching over stuff and doing all these things.
0: You're doing research, and, so, so you yeah. really want to be comfortable and focus on yeah. what you're doing. right?
1: And you could be standing for like right. four hours straight without yeah. even realizing it. Right. Uh, right. You're so into it. But then the other grad student that I interviewed with was very formal. Um, it seemed more like a interview for a job at a, like a company mm-hmm. um and you know it wasn't too bad I liked it but it was very much like in his office like his office is very plain it was just kind of me and him um asking me technical questions which was I was fine answering but it just didn't seem very um genuine
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I knew I was looking for a grad student who was gonna you know ask me are you going to grad school if you don't want to go to grad school why don't you want it? Okay. want to go to industry like why like tell me about these things how are you doing right. and so i declined the other offer mm-hmm. and took the offer with my current grad student who was okay. the one that was more casual right. um, which i think was a good decision because
0: well, that kind of leads yeah. me to the next question um mm-hmm. and you are gonna do electrical engineering you're gonna go for your master's on that so you mm-hmm. are planning on doing um a master's and going to grad school. What yes. grad school are you going to target? Is it UCSD on campus? Continue mm-hmm. with them, or are you planning on going somewhere else for your grad?
1: Yeah. So um I ended I'm always flip-flopping, but I know eventually I do want to get my PhD. Mm-hmm. So if I do get my master's in electrical engineering, which is a definite possibility if things kind of don't play out financially when it comes for PhD, mm-hmm. um, I am planning on Looking at USC, okay. uh, USC has a really good bioinstrumentations program that's mm-hmm. really integrated between bioengineering and electrical engineering. Okay. Um, and if not, there's also the bioinstrumentations at UCSD. But I'm not a big fan at seeing at the same school for too long. Okay. Um, I love UCSD so much. I have good networks and connections here, but I am too much of a networking person that I want to go out and experience a different campus, a different life, different people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like starting brand new. University of Washington is a big school that's on my list right now as well. Uh, just because, again, I talked to their electrical engineering department at SHIP conference, actually, mm-hmm. uh, where the college's booth were at. And I got to mm-hmm. to a PhD student. And we really hit it off because like, I can have your resume. You can come visit the campus. Like, we can talk about these things. And then you know um, everything happened recently, so we didn't get to go visit. Mm-hmm. I'm also mm-hmm. going to be probably looking at UCLA. Um, MIT is always going to be an option that I'm going to try right. to apply for. I'm always going to strive to do that, regardless of where right. I want to go. Right. Um, right. Also, Carnegie Mellon has been right. a big one on my list right now, right. and then I would say probably after that would be John Hopkins. Hopkins I wouldn't say is a reach, but it's another school I think that if I go to a master's and then if my PI likes me, they can keep me as a PhD student. Mm-hmm. I think would be great as well um and so yeah those are kind of there's a lot of schools that are on my radar and right. i'm slowly narrowing them down but i would say usc and university of washington and okay, Carnegie
0: so, are okay. awesome yeah. fantastic you mentioned the national conference of Sh- society yeah. of hispanic professional engineers that's a national mm-hmm. conference uh for those that have kind of listened to other episodes you've heard me talk about the national conference. Um, how? let's go back to your first conference. When did that happen and what was your actual take on it? And the reason I'm asking is because I want to go back to that scene where you walk in and you were, you know, not fully professionally dressed for that interview with with your McKittrick interview guy, Mm -hmm. but you were prepared to be in a semi-formal interview setting. (laughs) <laughs> so, how did you prepare for that? Was it something that you learned off of attending the National Ship Conference, or mm-hmm. was it something that you learned somewhere else? So, I would
1: say from the Ship Conference. So, my first one was my second year. Mm-hmm. I believe it was in Kansas City, Missouri.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, and that was actually my first career fair that I had ever gone to. Okay.
2: okay. <laughs> uh,
1: and so. I went and I had professional clothing at the time just because Doctors Academy, we did presentations. I I had uh, done shadowing with a doctor, which you have to dress very professionally in there. Um, And so, you know, I went and, you know, I was ready, but I only had like one blazer at the time. I Mm -hmm. think I had one pair of heels and then I just kind of cycled out some clothes. Um, And so going and talking about yourself. (laughs) Mm -hmm at a career fair that big for the first time probably wasn't the best choice for myself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I felt super underprepared going to the national conference that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it was just because at the time I was just like, I'm just going to do research. I don't really care about an internship. And then I was doing other summer jobs on campus. But going there and seeing, it's funny, seeing the difference between tech companies. So like CS and computer engineering companies versus like structural engineering companies versus bioengineering companies versus mechanical engineering companies. Everyone's so different. Mm -hmm. And I think we've brought this up to professionals. Don't you think it's funny seeing all these college students dressed up to a T, clean and everything like that. And you see a company wearing their (laughs) t-shirt and their jeans. Uh, But I think it still gives you a confidence boost, I think Mm -hmm. too, to look that nice compared to your daily basis look in college right. <laughs> where it's yeah. usually maybe sometimes it's usually jeans and a t-shirt sometimes right. you're wearing sweats sometimes yeah. you're wearing like running clothes and exercise clothes to go to school
0: whatever's um, available you put on yeah that,
1: you know. if it's clean then i'm putting it on and going to class right. like i got right. 10 minutes to go
2: <laughs> right, <for laughs> and sure.
1: so uh, i think really practicing you know I went to companies that didn't even apply to me and I just wanted to talk to them. Okay. And they're like, you're engineering right you here. And
0: I'm just so the the more you practice, the more experience mm-hmm. you obtain, the better you started getting. Uh, yeah. So when you walk in and you see, you know, at the national conference uh, for the very first time, what was your, fir- if you could go back, what did mm-hmm. you feel? What was the feeling when you walked into that conference room area with all the hundreds of companies laid out with tables mm-hmm. and booths and, and what what was your mindset where you said, "Oh my God, is this is this real? What's going on?"
1: I was just like, "Okay, like I knew Ship was a legitimate organization from day one, mm-hmm. just the way Ship UCSD runs their stuff. It's so organized, it's been on top of everything." But then I realized, like, "Wow, there's a lot of people here who either didn't know what engineering wasn't got lucky, or knew what engineering was and they know where to go. They know." Who wants them? They know that this organization can do so much for them. And then seeing companies be out there on the floor, you can also see like these companies care. <laughs> these companies care a lot about who's representing their company, who's doing the work, who's doing the research, who are the people that make their company them. Um, because you can see companies that aren't there, that, um, that are bioengineering related mainly. Um, and you I started to think, why aren't they there? Um, And, you know, you start to think a lot about the culture that engineering is trying to create and to preserve. And I think I was just in awe and excited because I got to meet so many people from different parts of the country that I never thought I was going to meet. That, you know, people that the current SHIP chapter, because I was the technical chair at the time, so I was in a board position, Uh, that the current chapter and previous board members, they knew people from different states, they knew different different schools, they saw company representatives, like, hey, you came to the SHIP conference again, and I was just kind of like, this is perfect, like, this is amazing, this is giving you so many opportunities that you never knew that you could have, Um, and I definitely felt underprepared, but I was like, okay, this is something that I can, you know, not buy a cup of coffee from Starbucks, you know, twice a week and save up to the 225 that it costs (laughs) to go again. And like, I was so excited for the next year, year after that. I was like, I can't wait to be professional and come back here. Or I can't wait to be a grad student and come back here and talk to these students for engineering. I think from the first time I got into that room, I was just like, this is where I want to end up again. (laughs) And I want to be on the other side.
0: Fast forward a couple of years from (laughs) that technical uh, outreach position that you had. Now to you being the president of the mm-hmm. UCSD Ship Student Chapter, how mm-hmm. did you decide to run, or at what point did you decide to run, or did somebody coax you to, "Hey, you're pretty good at this. Why don't you try it out?"
1: Yeah. How
2: did that so, happen?
1: Uh, actually, backtrack a little bit. My freshman year, we got to shadow positions. Okay. Uh, we literally drew names from my hat <laughs> mm-hmm. as to like who you're shadowing, and so I got to shadow Jose Ramirez at the time. Mm-hmm. who was the president of the chapter my freshman year Mm -hmm. and so i think from that day on i wanted to be the president of this club (laughs)
2: it was
1: very ambitious but i just cared so much because i saw how much ucsd could give back to the community right and i think that's what i really wanted to do for back home but i know it's hard for me to do that Mm -hmm. um considering that i'm physically far away Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I think it was just very much like you know what like we have the chance to like help these freshmen help these sophomores juniors seniors we have this chance to help these elementary school students these high school students here and you know obviously i want them to come to UCSD but i also want to be a representation of what it is to move away
2: mm-hmm. and
1: to still enjoy your life mm-hmm. as an engineer and so i think from that day on i was just like i wanted to <laughs> right. I was um, talked to a lot of people they just seemed like uh, I, yeah I'm extroverted but that's not what it takes to be a president um, it takes to be caring and compa- compassionate and truly wanting to see the success of others right. um, and you know seeing that the board members before were really excited for me to be tech chair that were like you know what for tech chair you talk to a lot of these companies you're really good at talking to these companies become the VP external you know bring that money in make those connections bring these companies to talk um, and then you know me and Gabriel um, Gutierrez who was the president last year mm-hmm. were definitely like always joking like who's going to be president when I went to their fourth year and you know uh, he had us he stepped up our third year because we did need a president and so he became a president he was a good one at that and I definitely was like thank you so much for taking that I'm here to help you and you know working with him side by side being his VP external
2: right.
1: I learned a lot about being president and so and then now with Lauda, she's also my VP external it's kind of like it's not always the VP external who becomes a president, right. but it's always keeping like, you know, those connections with your board members and letting mm-hmm. them see the work that you do. And so the presidents have always let us see what they do and how, what the work really is and the workload and how big it is and how important it is that you don't, as a president, you don't do much actual work, mm-hmm. but you manage so many different things that it trickles down and it very much shows to the rest of the community.
0: As a student, how do you deal with your time management? of being the president of an organization Mm -hmm. as SHIP Mm -hmm. and also coping with your classes because obviously, you know, SHIP is, it's an extracurricular activity. It is an organization, but it is not your main focus as a student. Mm -hmm. So how do you deal with that?
1: So I have two physical planners. (laughs) I have a Google calendar. I have another calendar, Outlook calendar. I have it as much as possible there to remind me of the little things that we forget sometimes about sending emails so first of all the easy things to neglect being uh the president is responding but also i have reminders to let people do things to delegate to trust your board members that they have a job that they can do and if they cannot do it they will come to tell you And if they haven't come and told you anything yet then you can assume that they did it and if they didn't that's fine you can go and have a talk talk about it again saying hey like if you can't do this thing, let me know. Like let me know ahead of time. I will help you do it or I'll help someone else find you do it. And it's very much trusting the fact that I have twelve other board members or eleven other board members on with, with me. Twelve? Twelve. Twelve. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, twelve. That are,
0: that are self-sufficient, functioning. That, yeah. And that are, you know, it's a well-running oiled machine, essentially, where you guys come together, make a decision, somebody mm-hmm. delegates something to somebody else and they're supposed to be responsible individuals which teaches them that responsibility that ultimately will become a professional aspect in their life. So that's fantastic. That's really cool. Um, no, you, you also mentioned going back to that national conference where you Mm -hmm. decided, okay, you know, I see graduate students, I see professionals in the industry. Now you as an individual, you are at that crossroads where you're like, okay, whether do I go to the industry or do I pursue the uh, graduate school path? And Mm -hmm. from what you're saying, you're going into the graduate school study path, that Mm -hmm. academic, the academia path. Um, When did you decide to do that? Even though you Mm -hmm. told me earlier that you're going to be working with Northrop Grumman. So Mm -hmm. why pursue the academics versus the industry?
1: Yeah, so I don't I did not really figure that out until this fall quarter.
2: Okay.
1: Um, one of our bioengineering classes, we had a final. Instead of taking like a random multiple choice, our professor said, I'm going to make you do a research paper. And you're going to have to apply these three imaging, choose three imaging um, techniques for imaging, and find a way to apply it to a common issue. And so I was you know, already working kind of on a concussion project device prototype for my lab. And so I was like, you know what, I'll look at different types of traumatic brain injuries, which are called TBIs. And so I started reading into TBIs and sports and race cars and people and workers and the um, army, the military, and how they're currently doing testing for TBI. And a lot of it is qualitative work. So that means that it's just a lot of bias and a lot of, um, I think this is what it looks like, or based off of other comparisons, this is what it looks like. It was never really hard data. And so... I wrote a whole paper on it, not a whole paper, maybe, I think it was eight pages long, okay. and so wrote the paper, kind of finished the final turn it in, but then I found myself still reading about traumatic brain injury, and like reading about neuroscience, and reading about the brain, and reading more about like how to use imaging, can you use electrical imaging, Meaning can you look at the EEGs, the brain waves, and, you know, kind of, like, really seeing myself, like, not going on Twitter, not going on Instagram, not going on Facebook, instead of, like, reading, instead of reading, like, these academic papers. Oh, and then a week after school ended, uh, we had, there was an IEEE EMBS, which is, the IEEE is an Electrical Engineering National Society, and EMBS is Engineers for Medicine, Biology, and Science. And so they had a conference symposium at UCSD. And so a lot of our bioengineering professors are like, hey, you like EE, you should come check this out. It's about neuroscience. And so I went to go check it out, and it was all about neuroscience. Different people from different schools, professors from different universities, all coming presenting on their research. And it was all neuroscience. I got to meet, I cannot say his last name, but I know his first name is Terry. He works in the Salk Institute, and he works for the uh, Center for, I think, Neuro Research. And I just was like, this is amazing. Like you can do so much with the brain. We're having new technologies that, you know, that we're applying to phones and computers and things like that. We're getting better, um, getting better resolution on certain like pictures and stuff. And I was like, you can apply all these things to the brain and you can figure out so many different things or just anything about that. And I think I just got fascinated with the fact that we haven't touched any of this really. We're barely getting into it. Right. And so I saw myself pursuing a PhD in that. Um, and definitely doing research on that. And then also, I had a professor last quarter. and he's a professor this quarter as well for our senior design class, Dr. Wheeler. And he's just a teaching professor. And I got to see how much he cared about how we learn things. Um, he very much cared, like, are you understanding this? Is this curriculum best suited for you? Is this too long? Is this too short? Do I need to change the procedures? Like, just really genuinely caring if you're understanding the engineering concept concepts and applying them. And so I know he's a teaching professor because he has retired twice from being a research professor. Mm. Um, and so maybe way down the, the road, I wouldn't really want to do that, but I think I would want to be a professor because I would like to see these engineering students and like, give them the confidence like it will come back. You will use this information later and this right. is how you apply it. It's okay, these classes are meant to be hard. If they weren't hard, then anybody would be an engineer. Right. like you will get through it you just need to think about it you need to talk engineers work together obviously don't cheat on my tests but like you know with the homework i talk about concepts like you know develop your own ideas and so i think i found like that passion back into my ap Calc or my pre-calc class of teaching people before class about math concepts seeing them get it kind of really clicked again um and so I think industry is always gonna, not always gonna be there necessarily, but I yeah. might go work there for a bit because so you I know yeah. becoming a professor is really hard and you need a lot of experience, a lot of research, and it's, right. especially going to a, like a top institute like UCSD if I wanna be a professor here. Yeah. Um, industry is probably definitely still something I'd have to do, but I think at the end yeah. goal is to be that professor to not only do research, but to be there for the students to be like, hey, I did it. <laughs> Trust okay. me, I right. struggled so hard. It was, it was my bachelor's degree. Right. Like, you can do it. So yeah.
0: Yeah. At this point, you know, you've, you're in your fourth year, uh, about Mm -hmm. to embark into your fifth year coming soon. Um, And you've done research and whatnot, and you've led the SHIP chapter at UCSD. But Mm -hmm. what has been the most surprising thing as an individual coming from the Central California Valley area to UCSD and, you know, being an individual that has achieved a lot of things that to a lot of people seem possibly impossible so what has been the biggest surprise for you as a young lady
1: um mm-hmm. uh, I would say you know this internship coming up okay. <laughs> as a bioengineer working at Northrop Grumman okay. um I'll be very honest my GPA is not above her 3.0 okay. and um I know they have a strong policy that all their applicants have a 3.0 minimum. Yeah. I think the biggest surprise is that all the skills and techniques and, you know, uh, everything that I've learned actually applied and that they appreciated that. Mm-hmm. That they appreciated that I knew my stuff when they asked me my questions. They appreciated that I went out of my way to become a better reader. They appreciated the fact that I didn't just do school. I mean, I knew people appreciated that, but I know it was very disheartening for a while when applying that they to certain companies, or like, oh, your GPA is pretty low. I'm Like, well, I switched my major. Like, thirteen classes don't count towards my GPA, or they don't count towards my current major anymore. I can't really drop those classes. That was a struggle that I had to get to. Mm-hmm. I think it was just much, very much like it gave me a confidence boost that I need to just apply. <laughs> mm-hmm. I need to apply, and I need to talk. And that's why recruiters are so important because you're not just a number on a page. You're a person. You're a face. You're a person. You're talking. Your face-to-face
0: interaction with a recruiter.
1: They're that seeing your excitement, right? Exactly. They're seeing your excitement. They're seeing your dedication. They're seeing the knowledge. You're not just staring blankly thinking or you're not like typing something on the side to Google what that was. Right. Um, they're seeing your innovation in person. And so I think that was surprising because it seems so easy for people who have a 3.8 <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes. Right. It seems That's so right. easy for them. And so it was, it was hard because, you know, I came from a school that didn't prepare me for this at all like my yeah I did well in my high school but that's because they made it easy for a lot of us mm-hmm. and so I think it was so surprising to see that be appreciated that obviously grades are important that's mm-hmm. gonna make your life a lot easier right,
2: <laughs> trust right, me right. it will obviously.
1: Right. but yeah. at the same time it's like you know I have been <laughs> able to take a little bit more time on my test because of online format and I've been doing better maybe mm-hmm. I just need a little bit more time to think and process that's not anyone's fault it's not bad to do that especially right. in an academic setting so maybe the systematically it's been kind of an issue for me. I was like, so it's super surprising to see that the defense company wanted a bioengineer to do systems engineering. So um, this
0: this uh, this internship, where did you actually apply and obtain mm-hmm. the internship? Was it online? Was it mm-hmm. at a UCSZ career fair? Was it at the SHIP national conference in Arizona?
1: It was actually at the SHIP conference. So we were all walking around going to different companies. Um, I had actually applied online to Lockheed Martin at the time and I got an interview with them. I was going to different, the very few biomedical companies that were there um, and kind of, you know, looking around. And then we actually had a big group chat of everybody that went to the conference, so all three of us. And someone in the group chat was like, hey, Northrop Grumman's looking for UCSD electrical engineering students go and ask for this name and so a handful of us went and I was just kind of like you know what I had just had my uh I talked to IBM that they were gonna set up a phone interview with me and I was like you know what? I'll go I'll go over there to the booth I'll go talk I'll do my pitch I'll do my spiel kind of practice again you know it's not gonna hurt right. <laughs> if they say no I'm not gonna be upset <laughs> right. and you know And so I went and went to go talk to them and talking about, like, my method testing and creating methods and, like, my documentation and, like, how did you figure out this is a proof of concept and validation. And so I was talking to the uh, engineer and also recruiter, and he's like, you know what, I'm in mission systems, and I don't know entirely too much about electrical engineering, but what it sounds like is it sounds like you should get an interview. And he handed me an interview card, like, right there on the spot. He's like, go fill in a time. You can probably interview today or tomorrow. Okay. um because it was the first day of the uh career fair okay. and so I was like oh oh okay like thank you
2: oh, it's <laughs> very unexpected. much surprised. It's really yeah unexpected. I was very much
1: I was very much like oh, okay like I was just kind of like, in my head I, it's not loud. I was just like I was just here at practice like uh-huh. and that's not that's not a weird uh brag or anything it was very much uh-huh. a genuine surprise of like oh okay you know I never had a non-bioengineering recruiter like uh-huh. want to know more and stuff like that right and okay. so I got it at the ship conference. I then interviewed the next morning and got the offer on the spot. So as soon as I finished my interview, it was just very much. He was like, "Can I offer you this offer letter to work with Martha Grumman And I was just like, "Oh, <laughs> I right. was like, can I think about it?" He's like, oh, "Of course you can think about." It. I was like, "Okay, thank you," because right. <laughs> you know it was in San Diego. They right. gave me the option. Um, you know, they gave me a good pay. They offered a, a, right. a living stipend because I'm not from San Diego. it would be a move. And so it was very much just super surprising. I was very in shock. (laughs) So that's why when I say it's the most surprising thing, it generally was.
0: Congratulations. That's incredible. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, That's amazing. And that goes to show you, you know, if you put in the hard work, the preparation, the dedication, the persistence, eventually it'll pay off. And I think one of the things that helped you and maybe you realize it now when you actually went into that uh to to that you know to that booth and to interview with those individuals you were not expecting anything you were really relaxed and you were yourself and that's yeah. what i want students to understand when you want something really bad sometimes you put mental blocks and mental barriers of so i'm not going to succeed but when you clear your mind and go in and show who you really are it opens up doors and it allows the other individual to connect with you at a more personal level, which brings more value to the table. So just remember and keep that in mind, bringing that up, you know, what do you believe your superpower to be? Do you have a superpower? If you don't think you have one, what Mm -hmm. would you choose and why?
1: Okay. Um, I think my superpower, it's a weird thing to say. I'm really good putting things together like puzzles, things that you wouldn't think would work to work together. I think that has been my strength this entire time of pairing people up, either when it comes to mentorship, when it comes to getting a task done, is really looking and paying attention to your team's assets and their weaknesses, looking at my own assets and my own weaknesses, and you know, really figuring out, okay, you know what? Yeah, they're a little weak here, but they're really good at supporting this person. They're good at asking questions. They're good at answering questions. They're good at pondering inside, internally thinking, and looking at the bigger picture. Uh, I think that's my favorite thing to do, and I think that's one of the biggest strengths because you know, systems engineering is really looking at things and putting it together to make it work better. And so, I think that's going to be my biggest asset my entire life because it's just something that I feel like people need. Uh, I may not have all the answers, but I know how to get to it. <laughs> right, I know right. the right people to ask, the right people to, you know, utilize and have them. Give credit to where it's due too, as well, because you know every—it's it, not an individual effort anymore. A lot of these things are mm-hmm. definitely working in teams, and I think that's been my biggest success: is just knowing, you know, suggesting, <laughs> hey, maybe we should put that there instead. Maybe right. see how that works. Right. And, you know yeah.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing the superpower of putting things together and being able to be insightful in a certain way and aspect of how things should work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you—you are a young lady. You're young, and you have been successful, from my perspective, of coming from the Central Valley to UCSD, to mm-hmm. achieving you know, uh, an electrical engineering degree, and then pursuing a master's in electrical mm-hmm. engineering, and also obtaining internships and research positions. But right now, what would you mm-hmm. say your definition of success is at this point for you?
1: Okay. I think the definition of success for me is always learning something new because I think it was so easy in high school just to assume that I knew everything (laughs)
2: Um,
1: and just knowing that if I learned something new, that means I was uncomfortable because I didn't know something. And if I didn't know something, I put myself there to learn something. It's just so easy to sit where you're comfortable and just to know everything and be the number one at what you're doing. Uh, And you're just not growing. You're not... And so learning something new is the biggest thing just because there's so many things to learn. Right. And I know eventually you have to not stop learning, but learning maybe more towards your field, right. <laughs> a little exactly. bit less broad, but you're still always learning. And I think that's just the biggest thing. that can do.
0: Right, fantastic, thank mm-hmm. you, thank you. Uh, this next question is one of my favorite ones to ask mm-hmm. at the end of the podcast and interview. Mm-hmm. So let's say you can go back, get, get in your car and you're driving back Mm -hmm. But when you're driving back home, you're driving back in time and all of a sudden things start changing. And, you know, you're driving up the grapevine by Mm -hmm. I-5 and then all of a sudden you, you get home, but you get home and you get out of the car and you see this young 12 year old sky and she's about to get a distractor, right? And you mm-hmm. tell her, all right, hey, hold on. I only got about two minutes to talk to you. What three pieces, two or three pieces of advice would you share with that young 12-year-old sky early in the morning?
1: Okay. I would say first, there are going to be teachers who will challenge you because they see your potential. Don't worry, you will have fun learning. (laughs) You will. It will be there, time will come. Do not worry. Don't be afraid that you're not going to care. Number two is that your family is going to support you regardless of what you want to do. Do not worry about stressing them out. Tell them your feelings. Tell them when you're sad. Tell them when you're happy. Tell them when you're angry. They want to know, they want to hear you, and they will not be stressed out. They'll be happy that you called. (laughs) And then number three, I think, is just to keep dreaming big. Don't ever, 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 ever let anything tell you that you can't. (laughs) Don't even let your GPA tell you that you can't. You don't even know what a GPA is yet. (laughs) Don't let a person (laughs) tell you that you can't. Don't let a professor, don't let a teacher, don't let a friend, don't let anyone tell you you're stupid, don't let them tell you that ever. I think this is a, a super big thing that I would tell them. twelve year old self.
0: yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you so much, Sky. Thank you. You know, I've enjoyed this interview quite a lot. We've been planning it for a while. Yes. Uh, we were going <laughs> to do it in person. Couldn't be able to do it because of the whole situation mm-hmm. and our schedule conflicts and whatnot. But I'm glad that we were able to connect via Zoom and be mm-hmm. able to do it today and be able to, to do it this way. And I think uh, I really enjoyed it. I hope it was uh, enjoyable for you to yes, the it audience. Was. To the audience, thank you so much for joining another wonderful episode of Success Innovation. I hope that you continue to plug in and to listen and to learn from the wonderful and fantastic individuals that I bring forth to you day on and day off with every interview that I do. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Lázaro Herrera from Success Innovation. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for watching another episode with Success Innovation. I hope that you learned so many valuable lessons that Skye Edwards shared with us. Her early beginnings, upbringing in a farm, the work ethic that she was actually instilled, how she managed to go to school, and what it took for her to actually discover from medical academy at the high school level to actually applying to various schools and how she managed to decide to go to UCSD just on a visit. And off of that visit to the campus, she definitely opted to go there because she bought so much regalia there. And the wonderful path that UCSD has opened up for her, how she discovered CHIP, and what that really opened for her as far as the profession. This has been Lazar Herrera from Success Innovation. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.